0: put out your sermon notes and i want you to get ready to receive the word of god from a good friend of mine. I met Steve Holder over 20 years ago in the late 80s early 90s not exactly what sure what year we began serving on a youth board together that would host youth conferences all over the country and it was quite powerful as uh, we saw years and years of different youth from different churches come to know Christ and follow Christ and dedicate their lives. And it's just, it was just a privilege to do that for so many years. But, but what happened is I, I found a kindred spirit in Steve. You know those people that you meet and you're like, oh, we're just going to be friends forever. And, and uh, he pastors a great church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And because it's an hour earlier and they meet an hour before us, I get to watch them online every Sunday morning in my office before I come down here just in case my sermon's not good enough, I can always add what, what Steve has been preaching on, but uh, I just, I love his heart, I love his passion for God, and uh, he makes me feel tall, and I like that, because, uh, no, I'm just kidding, but, but I just want to tell you that I, I've watched Steve, and he is, he is a leader, and God has anointed him in a very powerful way, and he has been a leader in our fellowship of churches, the Full Gospel Fellowship. He's the Vice President of the Southeast Region, which is the largest and uh, most influential region in our fellowship, and God has used him in tremendous ways, and I know that God is going to use him today in your life. He's my friend now, but he's going to become your friend very quickly, and I want you to get to know my friends, because these are people that have influenced me, and I want them to now influence you. Would you give a Christian Life Church welcome to Steve Holder as he comes to preach the Word of God?
1: What an honor it is, and uh, I'll pay you later, Daryl, for all those kind remarks. (laughs) It is such a delight to be here, and it's such a privilege to be in the presence of the Lord. His uh, anointing and presence is felt in this place in such a powerful way, and it's because that You know, we're all here for the same reason. Wherever two or three are gathered in His name, He is in the center of it all. And that's why He's here today. He's in the center of everything that we're doing. I just want to say thank you to Pastor Daryl and to uh, founding Pastor Daryl and their family and uh, the staff, Pastor Job, and and the wonderful people here at Christian Life uh, Church and Christian Life College and what a great, wonderful uh, people you are and what warmth and the spirit that you have. And I just see God just, I, I, just, I just see a, a, a just an explosion of growth here and increase in, uh, in many different ways in your future. I, I just sense that in my spirit and uh, just from being here just uh, these couple of days and in these services, there, there's a special atmosphere here. There's a special unity here. And the Bible says that uh, in in the book of Psalms that how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. And he said, for there God commands a blessing. And so I believe God's commanding blessings on Christian Life Church. Amen? He's commanding blessings on you guys. Wow. And uh, we send greetings from Bethel Church in Goldsboro and uh, we uh, just appreciate so much uh, the opportunity to be here. If you have your Bibles, I do want to direct your attention to uh, the book of Matthew chapter 16. Matthew chapter 16 is, is where we'll start and we're going to be talking about this morning, our, our lesson uh, is going to be entitled, Be the Church. And, and I just want to come and uh, to uh, compliment and to, at the same time, challenge. Because I think that we all have a tendency from time to time, we can get comfortable, uh, and, and we need a challenge. And so, uh, from this message today, there are things that you are doing that you're going to see in this message today that is going to just complement, but there are going to be some things in this message, I hope, that will challenge us to be the church because that's what God has called us to be. He's called us to be His ambassadors, His representatives, not just within these walls, but He's called us to go into the world. He's given us the diaspora, the the go-ye, to go into all the world. We begin reading in Matthew chapter 16, verse 18. Uh, Let's read verse 16 as well. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. I thank the Lord, he said it's his church. My church. That's why we pastors can sleep at night. Because it's his church. I will build my church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. (laughs) Is that not a a powerful message to us as the called out of God, as the the church of of, of Christ, as the church of the Lord, that we have this this powerful message from Him that though the gates of hell may try to come against us, they will never prevail. No wonder for 2,000 years the church continues on. (laughs) <laughs> and, and it continues on in strength and in glory, because it's founded upon Jesus Christ, the chief cornerstone. The church isn't where we meet, though. The church isn't a building. The church is you. You're the church. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're the church. It, it, the church is the human outworking of the person of Jesus Christ. It's the human outworking of the person of Jesus Christ. And so we just don't go to church. We are the church. We just don't go to a building. We are His hands and His feet. We're the body of Christ. And I just encourage you uh, in, this, in this time, in this moment, this season of your ministry, to more than ever strive to be the church. There was a, an old farmer and this, this guy was, was driving his vehicle and and he, and he accidentally drove into the ditch, and, and, but the farmer was nearby, and, and he stopped by to help him, and he, and, he, and he hitched up his horse. He had a horse, the farmer did, and so he hitched up his horse to the, the guy's car, and, he, and he, uh, uh, his, his horse's name was Buddy, and, and, and he hooks up Buddy to the car. But then when he hooks up Buddy to the car, he, he yells, Pull, Nellie! Pull, Nellie! Pull! And, and then he yells, he, he starts yelling, uh, uh, Pull, Buster! Pull, Buster! Pull! And then he yells, Pull, Coco! Pull, Coco! Pull! Well, uh, the, the car owner was kind of um, concerned by why all these other names were, were being called. The farmer said, Well, uh, he, he yells out at this time, Pull, Buddy! Pull, Buddy! Pull! And the horse drags the car out of the ditch. And so the car owner curiously asked him, the farmer, he says, Why did you keep calling your horse by the wrong name? He said, Well, he said, Oh, buddy's blind, and, and uh, if he thought he was the only one pulling, he wouldn't pull at all. <laughs> you know, sometimes that, you know, maybe sometimes in the church, that's not here, of course, but I, we all can pull our weight, amen. And, and it's exciting to see young and old participating in this service this morning from, every, from every, every nationality and just see you all just working together in harmony and unity because we all can pull our weight because that's what we're called to be. We're to be the church, amen, that pulls its weight. Everybody giving, everybody supporting, just like the video is just shared. Some plant, some water, but God gives the increase, amen. Oh, I just want to be a part of that. I don't care where I fit. I just want to be a part of that. Praise God. In the book of Matthew, chapter 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, reading from the New Living Translation, Jesus begins to, to teach and to preach, and he talks about this in, in, uh, in, in this passage. You're the salt of the earth, he says. The church is the salt of the earth. But what good is the salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. He says, you're the light of the world. You are the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the light of the world, church. We're to be a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. And no one lights a lamp and then puts it underneath a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. And when you begin to study throughout... The Word of God, especially in the Old Testament, even in the eschatology, you'll begin to find out the church is referred to as a lamp. The church is referred to as a lamp, a light. And we're to be that light that others can see the good works and glorify the Father which is in heaven. Praise God. We're the church, the body of Christ. And there's some very important points I want to share with you about that. And I believe that you're doing this. And I just want to encourage you in this. Number one, I believe that you are being the church in every system of life. And I believe that we're challenged to be the church in every system of life. I think, I think that some of the things that have been withdrawn from us in our freedoms and in worship, some of the things that have been taken away from us is, as morals and standards that are certainly biblically absolutes, is because there has been a withdrawal from the church In certain areas, in certain systems and arenas in life. And I think that we need to get back engaged... We need to raise up godly men and women who can serve in our governments. and We need to raise up godly men and women who can, uh, can perform in, in our teaching and our educational systems uh, outside of just the, the Christian realm, but in, out there in the public realm. We, we need men and women of God to, to be raised up as godly ambassadors and representatives that will be the church no matter what system they're in. They will be the church. And as we walk out these doors, we come in here to worship, but we go out there to serve. I believe that God is calling this church to be a storehouse, a storehouse, a distribution center. We just saw the evidence of that just a few moments ago as the bittersweet moment of a pastor is to, uh, to place his hand and his mantle upon his Elishas to release them into ministry. It's such a, that's a challenge, but we're a storehouse. We're a distribution center where people come and they're fed and they're healed and they're nurtured and they're ministered to and they're restored and they recover and then they go back out into the, into the systems of life and they be the church. Amen. Amen. Wow. What, a, what an awesome privilege. And you know a lot of times we have the, the, the misunderstanding that cursing the darkness is what's going to get it done but I've never seen a light turned on by cursing the darkness. I've seen lights turned on by by people being the light. By being the example, by being the salt and, and being the light that God has called us to be. Why? Because there are solutions in this room. There's a solution in this room. Jesus is in us, the hope of glory. So we contain solutions to the problems that we're confronted with outside these doors. And it's not that we're exempt in here, of course. We all face the same trials. We all face the same troubles. We all face the same difficulties and challenges. But I'm very glad that we have knowledge. (laughs) We have insight into how to deal with problems, how to deal with with troubles, how to deal with, with tribulation because we have He who is greater that is in us than he that is in the world. Come on, amen? Be the church in every system Secondly, be the church of significance. Be the church of significance. You know, if you think you're too small to have an impact, try going to bed with a mosquito, amen? I mean, really, He will let you know that He can impact you real quick. You know, little is much sometimes that we begin to think that we devalue our influence, our impact, and the enemy, of course, is, is a, he's a professional at trying to intimidate us. But God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power and of love and of a sound mind. And, and we're not too small to make an impact. We're not too small to make a difference. And so I, I want to challenge you to be the church of significance. Why? Because we have some great challenges in front of us. And I want to share with you uh, uh, some of those. Experts say that three people die every second. Three people die every second. If this fact is true, then 180 people die every minute. If that fact is true, then 10,800 people die every day. 259,200 people die, people die every, every day. And, uh, every hour, excuse me, 10,800 and 259,000 every hour. And that adds up to 94 million people dying every year. Of the seven billion people on the earth today, experts say that two-thirds of them have never heard the gospel. That, that, that's our challenge today. We have got to thank God for the web, amen? Thank God for media ministry. Thank God for missionaries. Thank God for those who, who go out of these doors and be the church because we want to be the church of significance. We want to be the church of significance that reaches those two-thirds that are going without hearing the gospel. We have a challenge before us in terms of this next generation. I'll never forget in 2009 as I was coming home from a conference in Charlotte, North Carolina, and as I was driving home, I'll never forget God speaking into my spirit and said, I want you to go home and I want you to accelerate reaching the next generation. I didn't know what that was going to look like. I didn't know how much that was going to cost me. I didn't know all of the final details of that. But God said, I am calling you to reach the next generation. I want you to accelerate in significantly reaching the next generation. Then I began to find out why. Because in 2000, there was an alarming statistic by Charisma Magazine that came out and and is still true to this day. 88% of America's 30 million teenagers don't go to church. 88% of America's 30 million teenagers do not go to church. We have got to begin addressing that need as a church. We've got to begin to understand the significance that 85% of born-again Christians do so in and around the age of 13 to 18 years old. We've got to begin to realize the, the, the truth We've got to realize the truth is that we have to accelerate in reaching the generations that follow us. Thank God that I'm saved at, at 48, but, but I want that 18-year-old to know who Jesus is. I, I want that child, that teenager that is in its preformative years. We as the church are challenged to be a church of significance that realizes that in those early years you train up a child and then when he gets old he'll not depart. We need to realize that church is not just for us. It's for reaching the younger generations and the generations that follow us. And this is a message that I challenge my congregation with and I'm challenged by as well. But this is a fact. Out of that 88%, those 30 million teenagers that don't go to church, of the 12% who do go to church, 80% will stop attending before they graduate from high school. We have a responsibility to reach every generation. Amen? I I want to reach every generation. Here's what and I see in this congregation this morning. I see an intergenerational church. And I believe that that is the picture of what God wants us to be. I believe that's what He wants to see in us as a church of significance that is an intergenerational, multicultural, that reflects the very image of God. When we get to heaven, there's not going to be little sections over here and little sections over here. We're going to be there together celebrating the glory and the beautiful, beautiful majesty of God's creative power as He's prepared a place for us. Somebody say amen. amen. Wow, isn't He good? Amen. Hallelujah. So we, we, we have a responsibility. We have a challenge to be a church of significance and ask ourselves that hard question. What is the best way? to be significant and be willing to do that. Amen? Praise God. Thirdly, we're to be the church of standing in the gap. We're to be, and I believe this church is standing in the gap. I believe that's the reason why a young man can come here for a conference and give his heart and life to Jesus Christ. is because this is a church that stands in the gap. Whenever you stand in the gap and you make up the hedge, people are going to use you as a bridge. You're going to be a bridge. You're going to be a connector. Your, 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 your vision statement is connecting to God, connecting people, and connecting to your calling. Why? Because you're a bridge. Why? Because you're, you're, you're one that stands in the gap. Christian Life Church is standing in the gap for this community, for those around you. You're standing in the gap for your loved ones who have yet to come to know Christ. You're standing in the gap for your neighbors that are watching you every Sunday morning to make sure your car backs out of that driveway. <laughs> and you're, you're sitting there, you know, you want them to come, and, 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 and they're just watching you every weekend and week out. You're the church of standing in the gap. You're the church of significance. And you're the church in every system of life. I, I, I have to use an illustration from my, my wife. We've been married 20, almost 27 years. We have three beautiful boys. And, and, and I have a daughter-in-law, which I call her my daughter. I don't call her in-law. She's a daughter. And, 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 so, and we're expecting our first grandchild. <laughs> yes. All you grandparents. Oh, man. I, I hear from all you grandparents. I just can't wait. I can't wait. I can't wait because you get to give them back, that's what they say, I mean, you know, you get to love them, spoil them, you know, and then give them back, <laughs> whoa, I can't wait, <laughs> uh, but my wife, she's a, she graduated from dental hygiene in 1992, and, and um, <laughs> she went to work for the, the most difficult dentist in town, I mean, this guy is a, he's a perfectionist, he's, the, he's one of the, he is the best dentist in town, he's as the best dental practice, and, and uh, his reputation precedes him. That, that made it challenging for her, though, at the same time. But one thing I'll have to say about him, and that is, uh, he, he, as, a, as a dentist, he's always told my wife, you're in your husband's ministry, always comes first. Wow. Isn't that awesome? That's what I'm talking about, being the church in every system. But she went into that office, and, and as, as a... Uh, you know, a young young lady, a young parent, and, and she began to just just be the salt. She just be, be, was the light in that office. And now here we are, 21 years later, and she has led seven families in that office to Christ and to our church. That is awesome. That's what I. I that, to me, that is a beautiful picture of being the church in every system, being the church of significance, and being the church of standing in the gap. I mean, it's almost like she was her own... They had their, and I think this dentist is smart enough to see that he's got his own in-house chaplain right there. <laughs> you know, that's what we can be in the marketplace, can't we? We can stand in the gap. Oh, when somebody comes in and, and says, I'm having trouble with my kids... You're there to stand in the gap and to pray with them and minister to them and invite them to church. And did you know that 82% of the people that you invite to church will come? 82% of the people you invite to church will come. Be the church of standing in the gap. And as I've heard even in the pre-announcements as I looked and saw your prayer time. The emphasis on prayer. Barna just did a research just recently and all of your rapidly growing churches, the number one indicator was an emphasis on prayer. The emphasis is on standing in the gap. Not just coming and being blessed, but being a blessing. Not just coming and receiving a gift, but being a giver. Not just coming and getting a healing, but being a healer. Oh my, amen. Churches that are standing in the gap are rapidly growing. Churches that are reaching out to their communities and interceding for them are making such a difference. This church is one of them. In the late 1940s, the United States government commissioned William Francis Gibbs to work with the United States lines to construct an $80 million troop carrier called the USS United States. And it was to carry about 15,000 to 20,000 troops during the times of war. And the ship could travel at, at rapid speeds of about 51 miles per hour at that time. It could travel 10,000 miles without even having to stop and refuel. She could outrun any ship in the, in the in, anywhere. The the SS United States was the fastest and most reliable troop carrier in the world. But the only thing about it was, the only catch is, she never carried troops. She never carried troops, at least not in any official capacity. Instead, the SS United States became a luxury liner for presidents and heads of state and a variety of other celebrities who traveled on her during her 17 years of service. As a luxury liner, she couldn't carry 15,000 people. Instead, she could only house just under 2,000. Those passengers could enjoy the luxuries of of 695 staterooms, four dining salons, three bars, two theaters, five acres of open deck with a heated pool, 19 elevators, and the comfort of the world's first fully air-conditioned passenger ship. Instead of a vessel used for battle during wartime, the SS United States became a means of indulgence for wealthy patrons who desired to coast peacefully across the Atlantic. I want to draw an analogy to you today that God has not called us as the church to be a luxury liner just for a few elite people. God has called us to be a troop carrier in the midst of battle in the midst of war, in the midst of standing in the gap and making up the hedge. He has called us that our weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but that they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. He's called us. Yes, amen. He's called us to be a conscience in our community and not just to cruise peacefully through life, but He's called us to to raise up a standard. He's called us to make up a hedge. He's called us to be the light and to be the salt and to make a difference in this world. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. And you might be thinking and saying to yourself, well, pastor, you don't know what kind of experiences I've had. You don't know what I've been through. You don't know what I've gone through. There's mistakes in my life. Can I tell you right now that God takes the mess in our life and He makes a message out of it? Aren't you glad He can take the mess in our life and make a message out of it. Aren't you glad He can take the testimony, the test and turn it into a testimony so that we can in turn be the church in every, every system of life? Don't stop being the church when you get to a, a public university. Don't stop being the church when you walk into your career field tomorrow. Don't stop being the church when you step onto that middle school classroom. Don't stop being the church when you step on that ball field. You need it more than ever there, as a matter of fact. (laughs) Be the church in every system. Be the church of significance. And be the church of standing in the gap. But pastor, what about my cracks? What about my breaks? What about the, the imperfections? What about the messes in my life? Well, I conclude with this story of an Indian fable where the servant would bring the water to his master. And he would take a bar and he would put the bar across his back and, and, and he would fill the vessel with water. And as he would fill the, the two vessels with water so that it would be balanced, he would carry two. And, and as he would carry two of the vessels uh, to his master, and, but by the time he would get to, to where his master was, one, one vessel would be completely full and the other vessel would be half empty. And so the, the vessel that was full felt very proud and very accomplished and what it was able to do in, in bringing the completed full vessel to the master. But the cracked vessel kind of felt ashamed and kind of felt like he was not as valuable, not as important and, and, and felt like his cracks and, and his breaks and his messes were, were being a hindrance and, and, and wasn't accomplishing much. But then the servant began to explain to the cracked vessel, see, what you don't understand is that while I was carrying the water to our master, I was dropping seeds along the path. And he began to explain to the cracked vessel, did you see the flowers along the path? The cracked vessel said, yes, I see the flowers along the path. Well, do you know how they got there? The cracked vessel said, no, I don't know how they got there. Well, you see, I would drop the seeds and from your crack, the mess in your life, you would water those seeds. And then a beautiful flower would grow and a beautiful flower would bloom. And then I would come along, coming back and forth along the path, taking the water to my Master. And I would gather the beautiful bouquet of flowers and I would present them to my Master. You were the reason. You're the reason that we have these beautiful flowers. You're the reason we have this beautiful beautiful path to walk along and enjoy. Because God has taken the messes in our life, and God has taken the brokenness in our life, and God has taken the cracks in our life, and He's used that brokenness to water the seeds that bring forth an increase. And then we enjoy the beauty of a testimony. We enjoy the beauty of a message That says there is hope in the church. There is life in the church. This is a place for everyone to come and find refuge. We're a storehouse and a refuge and we're a shelter that you can come to. This is truly a sanctuary where you can gather as the body of Christ. We're the church. And the gates of hell will not prevail against us. And whatever cracks are in your life, God can use you right where you are. Would you pray with me? Bow your heads, please. Our gracious Father, we thank You so much because of Your Son, Jesus, and what He has already accomplished for us through Calvary as we partake together in sharing in communion. Thank You for that paradigm shift of bringing us out of just what was a feast of Passover, a celebration of Passover. When Jesus, you said, I am the blood, I am the bread, you began to introduce to us the power of healing, the power of forgiveness, the power of your sacrifice, the power of your resurrection. And from that, We know, God, that you have birthed your church. We are the church, the body of Christ. We thank you that we're going to make a difference. We make a difference. And I pray that you would continue to raise up churches like Christian Life Church. That'll be a conscience in their community. That'll be a city on a hill that people know, that they know Jesus is alive and well in the hearts and the lives of the people there. Thank you for this privilege of serving in your ecclesia, your call now. Speak to hearts now. Minister to needs in this room as we have the privilege and opportunity today to be your hands and be your feet. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. With every head bowed, and every eye closed for just a moment, I never take for granted in any service or I speak, or any time I have the opportunity, or privilege. You never know. The moment, the timing of God is so important. And I don't believe in accidents. I believe in divine destiny. I believe in divine appointments. And I believe God has you here today with a divine appointment, divine schedule this morning, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, if you've yet to experience what Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. You must be born again. I want to just give you the opportunity this morning to be able to know who Jesus is as your Lord and as your Savior. The cracks in your life, He can use. The messes, He can use. The brokenness, He can heal. He can forgive the sin in our life. You're here today and you want to meet Jesus. You want to know Him as your Lord and your Savior. You want to say, Pastor, I want to be born again. Would you just slip up your hand right now? Would you do that? Would you just slip your hand up? Let me pray with you today. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Would you all stand with me, please? God bless you. Thank you for these hands that have been raised. And I want you to bow your head with me right now and let's all pray with them together as a church. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, I come to you today just as I am. I humble myself. I repent of my sin. Forgive me. Wash me. I believe that you died. I know that you rose again. And you are faithful to forgive me of all my sin. I welcome you. As the Lord of my life, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. <laughs> Come on, somebody praise the Lord right now. Hallelujah. <laughs> Woo, we're the church. Aren't you glad you're in the church? Aren't you glad you're a part of the body of Christ? Welcome. Welcome you that prayed that prayer. Your pastor. Please go let your pastor know. Please tell Pastor Daryl what God has done in your life. Please share with him. I know he has a wonderful uh, array of resources and information and opportunities. You're going to be doing baptism, I think, here at the end of the month. What a privilege it would be for Pastor Daryl to baptize you in water and, at, at the appropriate time, whenever that's, that's uh, in God's timing. But we're just so excited to see people come to the kingdom of God. Amen? What a privilege it is to be here today. Pastor Darrell, thank you for having me.
0: Thanks, Steve. What a good word. You can see why I like this guy, can't you? And um, I, amen. Thanks, Steve. I do want to say this, that if you did give your heart to Jesus Christ this morning, there's a packet down front. I'd love to meet you as well, but don't leave without coming down and grabbing a packet before you go. And uh, that is uh, our gift to you. It's got a Bible in there, a few things for you. And uh, we want you to have that and to walk with Christ and to be a part of the church family. You're a part of God's family now, and we want you to be a part of our family. I'm going to ask you to be seated for just a moment so that I can recognize certain people to stand up. And uh, it is a thrill to announce today uh, the first anniversary of Chris and Elizabeth uh, Brown. Would you stand up? It's their first anniversary.